This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano, 77 WABC. towards the sky with a telescope, uh, you will occasionally be able to see the former planets known as Pluto. I'll tell you, I've uh, experienced a lot of moments that were very sobering in the radio business, some as a talk show host, some as a listener, some as a producer, and there are very few days as as a producer that I remember more vividly than the day that Pluto was delisted as a planet. And I came in, was producing the morning show at the time, and I came in the next morning, and I guess this is about about 16 years ago, and one of the saddest things I'd ever heard was from a, a little boy that was interviewed on the news. And I, inter- and I edited this audio, and I've been looking for it for the last couple of years, and I haven't been able to find this. But this little kid, probably about six or seven years old, and he sounded so sad and so despondent, and he said to the news reporter that was doing one of these men on the street interviews with him, he said, no longer can anyone go there because it's no longer a planet. That's what this kid said. And I was really sad about this. One, it was kind of cute the way that he said it. But I was really sad about this because on the one hand, it was sad. To lose Pluto as a planet. And it was sad to think that there's going to be a whole generation of kids that grow up not being taught that this is a planet. And because, look, you learn about the eight, formerly nine planets of our solar system. uh, There's going to be a lot of children and a lot of adults, quite frankly, that are not going to learn anything about Pluto at all because it's no longer a planet. And the more that I've dug in to what happened with Pluto's planetary status, the more it makes me upset. And a fellow that has written brilliantly about why Pluto is indeed a planet is a guy who is incredibly accomplished, Dr. Philip Metzger. He is a planetary physicist with the planetary science faculty at the University of Central Florida, where he is developing what he calls economic planetary science to help humanity's expansion beyond Earth. 
He has 30 years' experience at NASA, first as an engineer, then as a physicist. And in case you were unconvinced as to his bona fides, he developed and helped operate spaceflight technologies. He was the co-founder of the NASA KSC Swamp Works, a research and development lab modeled after the Skunk Works and implementing innovation practices borrowed from Silicon Valley. He's a bright guy. He knows about space. He knows about technology. He knows about planets. He knows about former planets. And I'm thrilled he's agreed to stay up late with us tonight. Dr. Metzger, thanks so much for joining me. Hi, it's really a pleasure to be here. Thank you. So uh, fill us in. Why was Pluto delisted and demoted from planetary status to begin with? You know, it's really a complicated story, and we'll we'll try to break it down this evening. But um, it it came about because uh, there was a split that developed since the 1800s between the culture's concept of a planet and what scientists thought was a planet. And normally, throughout history in science, we try to to raise the public's understanding and appreciation of science, and that would mean that over time, the public will tend to adopt the scientific ideas. Um, but in, in uh, planetary science and the definitions of planets, it went the wrong direction for historical reasons. And so then um, th- there grew up this mythology about the definition of a planet. If you go look in any astronomy textbook, it'll tell you that the definition of a planet came from the Copernican Revolution, and it'll tell you that planets were defined as objects that orbit the sun. Well, that's historically not true. It's really easy to go look at the writings of Galileo and Copernicus and all the scientists throughout history, and what you'll find written in astronomy textbooks is blatantly false. Um, But astronomers in the 20th century and the um, Around the time that they ended up taking this vote, they weren't aware of this. They didn't realize that they were teaching a concept of a planet that came from 1800s astrology rather than from science. And so then there was this um, discovery of lots of other planets out there near Pluto. And um, astronomers started to worry. They started to think we're going to have too many planets in our solar system. And so they decided they needed to take a vote to limit the number of planets. And they thought they had historic precedents, not realizing that they were really acting on astrology. And so they voted to say that if a planet doesn't dominate its orbit, or if a body doesn't dominate its orbit gravitationally, then it's not a planet. And so they invented this new idea to restrict the number of planets. And um, the planetary scientists were against it. You know, the planetary scientists proposed a different definition, but the astronomers who study orbits, um, they they wanted orbits to be the definition of a planet. And so they rejected what the planetary scientists were saying, and they went along with this idea that ultimately came from astrology. Mm. Uh, talking with Dr. Philip Metzger, a veteran planetary uh, physicist and, uh, and uh, an engineer and a, a bright guy. You alluded to the concern that some astronomers had that there were too many planets in the solar system. What would happen if a solar system has too many planets? It doesn't tip over into a black hole or something, right? (laughs) No, not at all. Um, Well, uh, 
most scientists that study planets will tell you what happens is that it makes the solar system more exciting, more interesting, and it's more um, it's more inspirational for students when you tell them about all the planets in our solar system um, and call them planets. Like you gave the example of the young boy who was so disappointed when he when he heard that Pluto wasn't going to be counted as a planet anymore. Um, like how many people understand that our solar system has over 150 planets in it. Um, you can say that they're planets or planet-sized bodies, whatever you want to call them, but how many people know that there's more than 150 in our solar system? But the, the problem is people don't know this, and the reason they don't know it is because the astronomers said, well, let's not call them planets, and that effectively took all the excitement away. Mm. And the public stopped hearing about it. And so while we discovered all these planets in our solar system, it ended up being a big secret that the public doesn't even know. Um, you alluded to a vote taken by astronomers on this subject. Who? What was the body, what was the entity that got to cast that vote that, that determined that Pluto was no longer a planet? Well, it was the International Astronomical Union, the IAU, and um, we have agreed in science that the IAU will be the organization that, that names things because we want to have common terminology so that we can avoid confusion. But the problem was they overstepped their bounds. Um, when they came up with this definition of a planet, they weren't creating terminology. They were actually doing what we call taxonomy. Taxonomy is when you just decide not just the names, but also the ranks of the different categories of objects in nature and the, um, the inclusion or the exclusion of different items from these different categories. For example, um, in the 1700s, we decided that whales are not fish. We decided that they're mammals. And so they, they – um, took them out of the fish category and put them into the mammal category. Now, that was taxonomy. That wasn't naming because we already had the name whales. We already had the name fish and mammals. It was just a matter of putting them from one class into another. So the International Astronomical Union did not have the, the role or authority to do taxonomy. That's That should be done by scientists publishing papers and arguing over taxonomy as part of science. Um, but they, they overstepped their bounds. Um, they haven't done this for anything else. They haven't created definitions for stars or galaxies or anything. They've only done it for planets. And the reason they did it was because they were swept up in this cultural thing. They thought, oh, no, the culture doesn't want to have a messy solar system, so we need to make it look unmessy. Um, and it was just a big mm. mistake. Uh, so th their rationale, uh, the IAU, was uh, primarily due to th what they felt was too many planets in the solar system, but also Pluto's size and the nature of how Pluto and what Pluto was orbiting? Is that basically the, 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 the Reader's Digest version of the bullet points as to why they made this decision? Yeah, that's basically correct. Pluto is definitely a small planet. It's not big. Um, but the majority of planets in our solar system are small. Um, 
the solar system favors small objects more than large ones. So there's only one object as large as Jupiter, and there's only three others that we put in the giant category. And then we have a larger number of medium-sized planets like the Earth. Um, in, in planetary science, we say that the moon is also a planet. It's, it's also a moon, but it is a planet. It's a planet that orbits another planet. And um, we say that Titan and, and Europa and Ganymede, these are moons around some of the gas giants. We say that those are planets. Um, we can call them satellite planets or secondary planets um, that orbit their primaries, primary planets. Um, but there's, a, there's a, a larger number of the medium ones. But then there's a giant number of the really small planets. Um, and you might say, well, why does it matter? Why would we say that the small ones are planets? And um, because we have an even larger number of comets and asteroids, and we don't say that they are planets. But we really have good scientific reasons why we draw the line where we do between small planets and small bodies, um, asteroids and comets. Um, but the IAU, they didn't want to have this very large number of small planets, and so they came up with the idea of saying that a planet has to clear its orbit. It has to push all the other large objects out of the way, and if it fails to do that, if, it's, if it doesn't act like a bully, then it's not a planet. Um, they just made that up out of nowhere. It was never a, a, a concept that scientists had ever used in doing any science, and we still don't. No scientist ever uses that idea in actual science. But they just made it up in order to keep the number of planets into um, a small number. Why did the rest of the world, and especially the rest of the scientific community, recognize the IAU's authority to deplanetize Pluto. I mean, in some ways, I feel like I'm having the conversation I had yesterday about the Supreme Court claiming powers that weren't granted to it in Marbury versus Madison. Why did the rest of us all sit there like bobblehead dolls? Not you. You've been very vocal. But the rest of the world sit there and say, "Okay, IAU, you say this is no longer a planet. We recognize your authority to do so. Why wasn't there a broader uh, outcry to defy the IAU on the uh, Pluto issue? That's really a good question, and I don't, I don't actually know the answer. I haven't spent much time trying to answer that one. But I can tell you off the top of my head uh, a few thoughts. First of all, there was outcry among planetary scientists. Um, before they took this vote, they, they spent several years trying to create the definition. And the planetary science community was involved in the effort, and we sent – a proposed definition to the meeting. Um, it was not, in my opinion, a, a very good definition because it was even taking a few years to do it, it was too hasty and we didn't have enough time to work it out. But um, when the astronomers rejected it, they, they took some, they embraced an idea that was even worse. And so there was outcry among the planetary scientists. Um, but I think the public was just uh, – they just believed what they were told. You know, the IAU told the public that they had the authority to do this. They also kind of lied by telling the public that they followed 
all the right process in taking this vote when in reality they broke their own rules. Um, they, there are rules at the IAU that are defined to maintain scientific integrity, and um, if there is not consensus, then they won't be able to get the vote taken because the scientists will stop it. Um, and they, they weren't able to get a definition because there was not consensus. Scientists were in disagreement over this. And uh, for some reason, they wanted to make a definition so badly that they ended up breaking their own rules. They kept the vote a secret. They were required to advertise that there was going to be a vote for four months ahead of time so that scientists could buy plane tickets and go to the meeting yeah, and sure. vote. But they kept it a secret, and so nobody knew the vote was going to happen. And then on the second day of the meeting, they, they announced to the people who were there, we're going to take a vote on this. There was a big uproar at the meeting. There was rebellion among the various people, lots of anger and emotion. Uh, it was a big emotional event. It was not a scientific process at all. And the outcome of this big emotional event was this crazy definition that nobody uses. Uh, but then they lie to us and they say that they followed the, the procedure that they were supposed to follow when clearly everybody knows in the scientific world that they broke the rules and, and it was not a valid process. So um, it's been 16 or 17 years since that occurred. What is the process for getting it back? And is there a realistic uh, possibility that we could see Pluto become a planet again? Well, so if you ask Planetary scientists like myself, the vast majority of us, we still do call it a planet. So we just say the IAU is out of bounds. They don't have the authority, and, and so the vote didn't count. And we say it is a planet. It never stopped being a planet. And the real measure is this. It's not what a, a small number of people in, a, in an illegal process says um, that doesn't have authority. What does matter is how do scientists actually use the term doing pragmatic science? And, and so we've done the research on this. We've scoured all the publications of planetary scientists, really from, from Copernicus until today, hundreds of years. And we've put the whole history into our papers to show the, show the rest of the community this is how we use the word science. This is the useful meaning of it. It always has been, and it still is. In fact, just this week, I saw in the paper photos where planetary scientists were studying the seismology on all the planets in our solar system. And they said the definition of a planet that they were using was it's the, the geophysical planet definition. That's the one that, that I hold to and my colleagues hold to. And, and that says that to be a planet it has to be large enough so that it pulls itself into a round shape, and that also is the point where it turns into a geologically active body. So it has convection in the mantle, and it has volcanoes, um, maybe cryovolcanism, and it has mountain building, and it outgasses, possibly outgasses oceans and atmospheres, but all these phenomena activate and turn on when it's large enough to pull itself into a round size. Just like if it was even larger, then it, it would turn on fusion, and then we would say it's a star. Mm. So the size turns on a 
a type of physics that is the characteristic that we all know that's what a planet is. So that's the definition we go by. And there was just a paper this week of scientists saying, we're going by the geophysical definition. So they were rejecting the, the definition of the astronomers. And this continues to happen in the published literature by planetary scientists. So I would say, first of all, um, it never stops being a planet. Ignore what the IAU says. They were wrong. They made a mistake. Um, will they ever vote to make it a planet again? I think there's um, there's an old saying that science progresses one funeral at a time. <laughs> that's because just like all people, we get stubborn. And so when people end up making a vote, they created bias and they and it made it made themselves become stubborn. And so. Um, it's going to be hard to get people to say, yeah, we were wrong. Let's go and, and um, admit that we have egg on our face and vote the opposite. So that may not ever happen until that generation of scientists are no longer acting as scientists. And then a new generation comes along. We can we can act on it with less bias. We but, can we can talk about the differences between planetary physicists and, uh, and astronomers and uh, talk about what different people are looking for in planetary st- uh, status. But uh, for a lot of laymen in the public, uh, a lot of what we come to call different things comes from the scientists that we're familiar with in popular culture. And there's no doubt about who one of the most famous scientists that Americans are familiar with, even if he is fictional over the course of the last 60 years is, that is, of course... May I point out that I had an opportunity to observe your counterparts here quite closely. They were brutal, savage, unprincipled, uncivilized, treacherous, in every way, splendid examples of homo sapiens, the very flower of humanity. I found them quite refreshing. Uh, Mr. Spock, the science officer on the Enterprise, what would Mr. Spock st- say about Pluto's planetary status? <laughs> That's an awesome way to frame the question. And um, Alan Stern, who is the head of the Pluto mission, he calls it the Spock test. He actually refers to this. So if the Starship Enterprise flew up to an object in space, and they look out their viewfinder, and they see this big, round, complex world, they call it a planet. It doesn't matter if it's orbiting a star or if it was ejected from its star, so it's a rogue planet. Um, When they look at it, you see it's a planet, it's a planet. They don't have to go calculate, did it clear its orbit or not. They don't say, wait a minute, Captain Kirk. We detected there's too many asteroids in the region. It didn't clear out enough asteroids. It must not really be a planet. That would just be ridiculous. And, of course, they don't do it. So the Spock test is you look out the viewfinder. It looks like a planet. It's a planet. Imagine that. Imagine that. Uh, Dr. Philip Metzger, uh, it is a real treat to talk with you. Hopefully we can chat again in the future. If people want to check out your website, they can go to uh, philipmetzger.com. There's all sorts of interesting information up there. It's Philip with one L. Thank you, Dr. Metzger. Thanks so much. My pleasure. We'll go through your mail next. Uh, if you want to be heard via email, frank.morano at wabcradio.com. That's frank.morano at wabcradio.com. Mail straight ahead.